Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You're now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at a box spot, and I'm on your way, go. We in Baden Airways. Cool. They be watching us, we so prosperous, ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us, they be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend because we're back on the airwaves. We're gone for a week, but we're back at it again. So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. It is your man, GM Cool. And I am so excited! Sorry, I said that pretty loud. But I'm excited nonetheless because I have a bomb ass show for you guys to get to. Um, it's going to be educational. It's going to be entertaining as well. And I told you guys, like I said, I have somebody legendary coming through on the airwaves. And I delivered on that. I got my man, Shaw Claire, in the building. Shaw Claire. Hold on. That deserves a cool drop right there. I got shot Claire in the building, guys. He won't be physically in Maximum Maximum FM Studios. He will be calling in. But nonetheless, I'm still happy to have him on the air either way because this is somebody that I've looked up to uh, for a very long time as uh, one of the first sounds of Canadian hip-hop that came into my ears as a young child. So I'm very excited, very excited to have him on the show to kind of pick his brain, get an idea of like how he feels as though the game has been progressing on the Canadian front and what he's been doing since you know his days as an MC. He's now progressing to a producer. So we're going to get into all of that good stuff. I can't wait. I'm super, super excited about it. Um, beyond that, I want to get into the the topic of net neutrality as well and why it's so vital that it must remain intact. But before I get to all that, man, Something's been brewing on my chest for a very long time, for a few months now even. And so with that being said, I think it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Indeed. So what I want to talk about is this, man. Um, you guys know me. I love basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. I love the way they dribbled every down the court. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had to. Uh, but no, no, for real, though. Like, I love basketball. Ball is life. NBA is like one of the greatest sports leagues in the world, in my personal opinion. Um, but I feel like with this season, I've enjoyed the play of the season thus far. But some of the narratives and how the media likes to control the narratives is what's been bothering me. So what I mean by, by that is this. Um, this particular year, I've been noticing that a lot, of the, a lot of the discussions on mainstream networks has either been about LeBron James' free agency, LeVar Ball slash Lonzo Ball, and then the Lakers. And for me, it's very frustrating because you look at these major corporation networks that have ample of resources at their disposal, and they could be talking about a plethora of other items ad nauseum, or they could switch it up from time to time. But instead, 80% of the time, the narrative always revolves around where LeBron James is going to go after the season's done, or it's going to be about what LeVar Ball said in the media or what his son's doing, like a close watch at how he's progressing in the league. Will the Lakers make the playoffs? Will they not make the playoffs? What should the Lakers do to go back to greatness? Yada, yada, yada. Here's the thing, man. I'm going to get to LeBron James first, and I'll get to LeVar Ball slash Lakers after. With LeBron James's free agency, I don't think that's something that you should focus on right now because at the end of the day, he still has a job to do in Cleveland. His job is to get them to the finals to bring another ring. He's already fulfilled his accomplishment of bringing a ring to Cleveland and now his mission of course is to do that once at least once more I don't feel as though there should be talk about him possibly going to Houston or possibly going to wherever like it's not really important it's not really needed to be discussed at this point during the season once the season is done for them then we can get into that but for now I don't want to hear a bunch of speculation talk about oh Houston looks like a front runner because Chris Paul is there and they're banana boat buddies like that's one thing I hate about free agency talks it's always about 
some inanimate reason as to why player A may sign with team A. Like they always say, oh, well, he's from the area. He grew up there. Therefore, he's morally obligated to play for his hometown team that he grew up watching. No, that's not it. Like even even in as much as I loved it, even when uh, they were predicting about where Kevin Durant would sign and Toronto was a front runner because like two years prior, he said how he grew up watching the Toronto Raptors because Vince Carter was the most popular guy in the league. But this is this is coming from the thoughts of somebody who was, what, 11, 12 years old when that happened. Fast forward, he's a grown man. He's in the NBA. He's not going to have that same mentality. And yes, I know Drake was courting him throughout Toronto uh, the, the year before during the summertime, but still, things change. So, I feel like these inanimate reasons as to why a player should sign with a team or may sign with a team, it's far-fetched to say the least, so we shouldn't take it as gospel. So that's my stance on LeBron James um, pending free agency, where he'll possibly go. Let's not think about that right now. Let's think about him and what he's going to do with the Cavs come playoff time. That's what I'm interested in. I don't care about where he may possibly sign. I don't give a damn. Wait till June, July, then we can start talking about that because that's off-season talk, not on-season talk. I want to focus uh, on LeBron James' play as of late, not where he's going to be signing in eight months. Bun that. Anyways, moving to LeVar Ball slash Lonzo Ball slash Lakers. I hate how the media continues to put a camera in this guy's face, a microphone in front of this guy's mouth. You guys talk about how you hate the fact that he talks so much garbage, how he talks so much trash, how his, how his checks can't back up with what his mouth is saying, yet you choose to put the camera in front of him and you choose to make him a spotlight and a point of contention. Why? You're beating, yourself, beating yourselves up over it, and I'm sure to a certain extent you guys are losing ratings. I don't understand. And then when it comes to Lonzo Ball, I just wish that there wasn't such a tight scope on him because at the end of the day, he's a rookie. Rookies are going to make mistakes. And coming into the into the NBA, we knew that this guy wasn't that big of a shooter, wasn't that big of a scorer. He is a facilitator. And yes, I understand today's generation of point guards are score first and pass later. I get that. But at the end of the day, when you know that this guy is a facilitator, then what is all the hoopla about about him not being as aggressive and what have you? You look at somebody like Ben Simmons. He is of the similar genetic makeup as Lonzo Ball in terms of style of play. By height, no, he's not a point guard, and technically neither is Lonzo Ball because he stands at six foot six, while Ben Simmons is about six foot nine, six ten, basically. But he plays like a playmaker. He plays very similarly to LeBron James. So I don't, I just don't understand why we have such a tight scope on what this kid does like what he's doing wrong and what have you. You guys already realized that it was LeVar Ball who put such a huge target on his back. So why are you guys allowing yourself to fall suit with the manipulation of LeVar Ball? I, I don't understand. It's asinine to me. And, like, Laker fans and and the media that wants the Lakers to be, to be a hot destination once again for NBA playoffs and what have you, let the team develop. Philly's doing the developmental process. Milwaukee is, like over the hump a little bit in that regard, but still developing. Boston is developing and competing at the same time. Let these guys develop. Quit putting these lofty expectations on, yes, sure, a franchise that has a storied history and winning, but right now you're at the bottom of the barrel. Hell, you guys could have been competing right now had you just pulled the plug on Kobe, but no, you guys have to keep on giving him the ball in his dying years of a player. No disrespect to Kobe, but that's the reality of the situation. Either way, all I'm saying is this. Quit putting so much pressure on the kid. Quit putting a scope on LeVar Ball. And let LeBron James play out to his fulfillment in the NBA until he decides to sign elsewhere. Sorry, with Cleveland, not NBA, but Cleveland. That's all I'm saying. Do you guys agree? Do you guys disagree? Hit me up. You already know what to do. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio to share your thoughts or comment under the video below once I post this on YouTube. Coming up after the commercial break, man, I got shot Claire. On the line, man. I got shot clear on the line. We're going to talk about hip-hop and all that good stuff. But before we get to that, I got to get to my man, Big Crit, which is called Mixed Messages, and it's only on Cool Radio. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool, And this is Cool Radio. Welcome back to the show. Uh, in a little bit, I got my man, Shot Claire. He will be calling through to the show. We'll be having an in-depth conversation about, you know, his life and times within the hip-hop community within Canada and what he's been doing since his days as an MC up until now as producer, kind of helping the young generation pave the way for the future. But before we get into that, man, I got an announcement. So, the announcement I made a couple of weeks ago on the air, but I just want to reiterate that even though 
Tonight is the last official episode of Cool Radio as far as what we normally do on a week-to-week basis. Next week will be the final, final episode of Cool Radio in 2017, and that will be our annual year-end special. So it's going to be the fifth one, actually, the fifth one since uh, the incarnation of Cool Radio back in 2013. But basically, as I always do each year, I'm going to have a panel of uh, guest uh, industry insiders and um, visionaries, if you will. <laughs> but basically, we're going to be discussing and counting down the top five albums, singles, artists, and of course, the top five wankses of the year. So we're going to get into that for sure. Um, and then we'll also get into other discussions about you know the best moments that happen within hip-hop from a larger scale in terms of the media and what have you. So I'm currently assembling uh, my panelists for that. Um, and we're definitely going to drum up a lot of conversation that's going to be considered to be hot takes, if you will. Um, I definitely feel like you guys are going to be entertained and educated all within the same breath, and it will be absolutely 100% certified commercial-free. So we're not going to be playing any music uh, in between breaks or anything like that. Uh, we're not going to be playing in like any adverts or anything like that. It's going to be straight talk. And I want you guys to get involved, man. Like, for the next week, I'll be posting up certain things to kind of get you guys, you know, revved up for it. Like, who do you think the biggest wankster was for the month of January of 2017 this month? And things of that nature, basically. So, I normally do it every year, like, on social media. And I'm going to be doing the same thing for you guys as well. Uh, so, make sure you keep that. Keep that, keep that locked, for sure. Keep that locked. Because it's going to be very, very interesting. What I've noticed... Um, while I've been doing this show, man, and first and foremost, I thank everyone for for listening into the show for for as long as they have all the new fans that new fans and new listeners that I've garnered along the way. Thank you for coming along on the journey. For those of you who have been there since day one, who have been loyal from the soil, I really appreciate that as well. Um, but what I've been noticing is that like a lot of the artists that I grew up listening to or watching on much music and all that stuff, I've had. Know the pleasure of either meeting them in person, or I've also had the pleasure of having them on the air on my platform to talk about music and life, and not even just do interviews, but have discussions at the end of the day. Um, I remember back when I used to do a radio show called Let That Is Breathe, I had the pleasure of having Danio and Promise uh, in the studio a couple times to talk about their music and what have you. Um, and Danio has been a frequent guest on my show, so I gotta give a big shout-out to him because he's always been a supporter. Last time I had him on the show was about 2014, I believe. And in 2015, I had the pleasure of having the lovely and talented uh, Melanie Durant on the show as well. This was, this was back when we were at the Mississauga platform. And then last year, I had uh, Divine Brown uh, close out the show. or clo- Yeah, close out the show basically uh, last year. So that was huge as well. So shout out to Divine Brown. Such a divine entity. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm about to have Shaw Claire call, call the studio soon. So um, I'm just looking at the progression of the show and what have you and just like all the relationships that have been made thus far. And I'm just very grateful for that. And I want to continue it to the point where it's not even just like a rare or occasional occurrence it's going to be like a regular thing that'll be happening so that's my goal for the show um going forward basically and i guess you could call that somewhat of a new year's uh, resolution we're not at that point yet but you know i'm okay with it i dig it (laughs) you're listening to maximum fm hip-hop Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for the break, but I think we do have a uh, special caller coming in. And as I already promised you guys, this guy is do, uh, donating his time to Cool Radio for the next 10 to 15 minutes. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, but this gentleman right here, nothing short of legendary. He is one of the pioneers of the Canadian hip-hop scene. And not even just with hip-hop, but overall, he is one of the greatest Canadian talents that this n- nation has ever birthed. He's one of the highest chart Highest chartist topping uh, artists that have come into the Canadian hip hop scene, and he's transitioned his way from the microphone to the production booth to help off the next generation. I'm talking about the Chisnock himself, Mr. Shot Claire, is in the building. Shot Claire, what's going on? I'm good, man. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. So first and foremost, I gotta thank you for calling in because you know I know you're a busy man, but I really do appreciate the time that you're offering. Uh, no problem, man. I appreciate. It. I appreciate the time you guys are giving me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So first things first, man, I got to ask you, and I've been wondering this for like years upon years, man. What does Chisnock mean? <laughs> okay, well, it was like one of those things where uh, when people started making fun of the name, um, started making fun of the name Shaq there, then uh, I actually, and then I started owning it. So then at that point, 
they started to make, they started to market a little bit, and they started calling it uh, Chisnak, and then I kind of started owning that a bit because then I would say when um, people would walk by, and they would say, "Yeah, you see that girl right there? That's right, Chisnaked it," and that's <laughs> Chisnaked it. So that's kind of how that got together. I gotta give you a cool job on that one. That's crazy. I, I just love the fact that you take ownership of something that was meant to be somewhat of like, you know, a comical slur at your expense, but you just took ownership of it and you made it like one of the hottest ad libs in Canadian hip hop history, man. I think that's dope. Yeah, man. You know, you just gotta own it. It's like you know when uh, I think it was uh, what's his name there when uh, people started making fun of Fifty and they started calling him by his real name. Then he just owned it, and his next album was called Curtis. Exactly. There you go. He capitalized off of it. And at the end of the day, it's it's literally his birthright. So why not do that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, man, I just kind of owned the name, and uh, yeah, I just owned the name, and then just kept moving with it, and had fun with it, and then it just became, you know, that's when it became the sexual just knocklet, chocolate, the ill flower, and then um, what ended up happening there was, uh, um. Well, that's what did the one I started to get signed to the record company. Started saying, "Okay, your name is too long. Let's just call it Shockler." <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. That's how it just goes down, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So when you open up the CD jacket, you'll see it's that big long name spelling going on in there because that's that was the original full out name. Absolutely, man. You gotta go with the originals at the end of the day, man. When it all comes down to it, right? Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. All right, man. Let's keep it moving, man. Um, I got to ask you, man, because, like, you have, like, a wealth of knowledge, man, and, like, you've just had, like, a very interesting, like, upbringing within music. So I got to ask you, like, when did you first fall in love with hip-hop? Oh, like, man, it was uh, it was a while ago because, um, like, my brother kind of got me into the mix of the music because he was always listening to, um, you know, 88.1 on the Saturday afternoon and stuff like that. So he was always blasting it. And then, you know, so I would be hearing certain songs and stuff like that. And then I would really like, uh, you know, I just liked the vibes. Like it was, I identified more with uh, the music. I still liked everything else because I was still listening to, you know, Tarzan Dan and all that stuff. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but uh, I just, it just identified with me more. And then I just kind of stuck to it. And then, uh, but one of the things that got me really liking to be an entertainer was, uh, was I saw Eddie Murphy Raw, and I was like, you know, this guy is on stage controlling the crowd, and he's telling jokes. Man, I wish I could be controlling the crowd, but I am not a comedian, but, you know, I'll, maybe I'll go up there and sing a rap, <laughs> and that became what it became. Absolutely, and, like, I find that very interesting, actually, because normally it's usually the comedians and and just like event MCs and what have you that be that are inspired by the rappers to kind of take a mic and kind of take control of the audience. But in this situation, in this situation, it was kind of the other way around. So I found that very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was just you know what it was. It was just the fact of um, people being able to go up on stage and just go and entertain. And then that was one thing. Just watching them entertain and how people would just go and be so into what they were doing. It just made me, you know, kind of fall in love with everything that was going on as far as the entertainment. And then I just loved being on stage and performing for people because I also enjoy watching concerts myself. Right, absolutely. And what's one concert that comes to mind, like, as far as all the concerts that you've been to thus far in your life? Oh, man, there's a lot because uh, when I was younger, I used to work at Exhibition Stadium running the hot dogs from the kitchen to the concession stand. Right, right. So I used to see a lot of concerts there, like especially like the big, the big rock concerts back in the day. So like the Bon Jovi's and the the Kisses and the Metallicas and the Guns and Roses, but then also the New Kids on the Block, um, you know, and groups like that. So I used to see all of them play as well. So it was a uh, you know, just having that experience to go and see just, like, what a nice live show was, you know? Like, with The Rock, they had a lot of pyros and big lights, and it was loud. With the kind of the boy band stuff, it was kind of more melodic and choreographed. Right. So, you know, it's hard to say which one is the best one. Oh, well, uh, you know what, who, I, who really impressed me that I wasn't, wasn't sure was going to impress me like that? Who, who? Um was when I first, because I was always a Jodeci fan. Okay. And then okay. I went down to Buffalo to watch Biggie Smalls, Junior Mafia, Adina Howard, Looney, Naughty by Nature, Mary J. Blige, and Jodeci. And I thought Biggie 
was going to be the final act, but Jodeci was. Okay. But I was like, oh, man, but they're just going to do all slow songs. But they killed it. Yeah, yeah. One, that was one that really impressed me. That's what's up, man. That's that, that's a stats card, right? That's like a WrestleMania card, right there. <laughs> it was, man. It was. That's why we had to go all the way to Buffalo to see it. Hey, man, it was worth the trip, man. I'm sure it was. <laughs> it definitely was. It definitely was. Absolutely. Now, for me, I'm like a big fan of like team ups, you know. So like when you think about like movies and cartoons that used to watch back in the day, big team ups like you had Star Wars, and then you had like X Men, you had Voltron, um, and when I think of all, all those team ups, I think about one team up in uh, Canadian hip-hop history known as The Circle. So uh, I want to know from you, man, how did The Circle become a thing? Oh, man, pretty much. Uh, I had a friend in high school. His name was Ramon, and he knew Socrates. Okay. And he introduced me to socks, and then I used to just go and, you know, like just get beats from him. And we used to go all the way down to the studio and just go and get beats. Right. But then... Um, but through him, then I met Cardi and um, and the rest of the figures of speech, Why Look and Anthem Vandal and other people. So then I met I met them. And then uh, just over time, we just kind of became friends. The first time I met Julie Black was when we actually recorded the track, What It Takes. Mm-hmm. And then we did that track. And ever since then, we just kind of started running because we had mutual friends. We all were like all into the music at the same you know in the same time we had mutual interests mm-hmm. and uh so we just became and then we just called it the circle because you we were just a circle of friends That's just doing music. so that just became our name and then uh we just kind of all came up it wasn't even it wasn't even like a planned thing to go and say you know like okay yeah let's all get together and create this thing it was just we all had mutual respect for each other. We thought everybody, each other was very talented. And then we just would go in studio sessions with each other because that was just what it was. You just kicked it at the studio. And everybody just tried to do their thing and jump on certain tracks. And, you know, if it was if you were there when there was a space created, then you would probably be on that song, you know? We weren't really thinking ahead like that. We were just people just trying to do music. And uh, mm-hmm. and then that's how we came up, and then we just kind of came up and did what we did, and it was a wonderful thing because it was something historic. We had our own sound. We moved everywhere with each other. We toured with each other, so it was a it was a great thing. Absolutely, man. It almost sounds like you guys were like a dream team of sorts because you're talking about guys like, or you're talking about people like Julie Black. You're talking about Cardinal Fischel. I mean, those are some big names. And like, it's it's interesting that you guys had like the most humble of like beginnings. And then fast forward, you guys have had like these storied legacy careers, basically. So when you kind of look back on all that, it kind of started off with a microphone and a dream, really, from the, the way it's uh, painted. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of how it started. It just started like, yeah, with a just with a dream of doing music. And then actually getting, being happy that, okay, well, look, here, Cardi's a producer. That's mm-hmm. good. There's people that make beats, because that would be one thing is that we, you know, I wasn't a beat maker. So, but Cardi was a beat maker, so I was like, okay, cool. Oh, Julie's a singer, so if we ever need some vocals, cool. Fox mm-hmm. is a rapper, too. Dope. And we can all, Ro Dollar is one, too. So we would all go and sit there and just collaborate on song after song after song after song. And we would just make songs like my record, uh, my demo. You know, there's a lot of people that are just on music because, you know, it was just we were all in the studio at the same time. The uh, the collection from the crates, my demo record. Right, right. Be like all these features with Solitaire, Marvel, Fox, Road Dollar, Why Look, all these guys because it was just we were all just hanging in the studio. Right. And on Ice Cold it was the same thing. It's like we were all just. Hanging in the studio, working on something like you said, just a mic and a dream. Exactly, and and oh no, sorry, what were you gonna say? Oh yeah, and then it just kind of came out the way that you know the way that we were hoping it would come out, but actually better than expected. We weren't really doing it. Absolutely. Mm hmm. And it was real cool. Mm hmm. And like a lot of the names that, that you guys you know collaborate with were part of what I would like to call as the Canadian hip hop renaissance, basically. And like I felt like that time period was anywhere between like maybe like the late nineties, like maybe like the mid two thousands at best. And I felt like 
uh, whenever I listened to you guys, I felt like you guys had like an energy and a swagger about yourselves that like you were doing the music that you guys wanted to do and didn't care whether America would accept it or not. And I think that's what kind of endeared you guys uh, to like a lot of the fan base, me especially, because I thought it was so meta about what you guys were doing. So what, what was it about that period that was such a, an enriching moment within like Canadian hip hop? Um, you know, we were just more just thinking of like just we're more just thinking of we we believed like we believed in each other, so we believed in like like I believed in like Sox's talent and uh, and Cardi and Julie's and other people's talent that we were like oh any one of these guys can blow like it wasn't even just about like just about ourselves you know it was just a, like you're saying it was just like a collective so you know we just believed in each other and thought like if people got to hear this person or got to hear that person. Um, they would be like, you know, like they would also think that these people were really cool or really good. And, um, yeah, so we didn't really think about trying to go and be or sounding like this or sounding like that. We were just trying to just make, just trying to make this music as great as we could. And, uh, you know, and I guess people really enjoyed it and liked it and it just took off like that. And it was a great success and everybody kind of, cause Sox was the first one when, he, when we dropped Father Time, you know, that song just blew up. You know, and then so everybody was, oh, Sox is doing really well and whatever and however we can help out and be in the studio and give our two cents, we would do that. And, uh, and yeah, and then uh, we just we just kept moving with it. And then What It Takes did well for me. And then Flagrant came and did well. And then, then Northern Touch came out and did well. So everybody was just like, okay, yeah, let's get behind what's going on. Let's make sure that everybody knows and can understand the type of vibes that these, that's, that's coming out of coming out of the city right now. Absolutely, man. Um, and one thing that I always I always wondered about as well, you know, apart from the Chisnock thing, but one thing I always wondered as well is I remember back in the Love of All video, um, you were one of the first people that I recognized that had the Xbox on Smash before it even became like a mainstream product, man. Like I saw you kind of like rocking out to it in the, in the music video at the beginning of it, and like no one had really seen the Xbox at that point in time because it was such a brand new thing. And on top of that, I believe Love and Mall was on the Xbox soundtrack as well uh, when they when they first like dropped that dropped the the system out there on the market. So what I want to know personally, like as a fan, is like how did you get the hookup for that? <laughs> Well, you know, when the Xbox was coming out, we heard that it was coming out. And then um, one of the things that happened, is that's how new it was, because that was just a shell of an Xbox. They didn't even have the brains in it yet. It was, it was just a whatever. And then we had to put all the sound together and everything. Like all those little, choo, choo, we, those are all sound effects, because it wasn't actually even finished being made yet, but it was coming. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of had that go on, and it was... Yeah, I remember that because I was like, oh, this is the Xbox, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had it on lock, man. You, I'm telling you, man, you, you made it a trend, man. I feel like you made it a trend. <laughs> yeah, I take credit for that. I should be getting free Xboxes all the time. Right? I mean, tell, tell Microsoft what's good. <laughs> I'll go and talk to Bill Gates and go and let him know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I thought that I thought that was pretty dope, though, for real, man. Um, it, was, it was good. We did get a chance to play it before but the one that we had because they only had a few so they just gave us the shell and then we had to go in and kind of you know fake it for a minute but uh yeah but everything else it was exactly how it looked it just didn't have all the the, the motherboard and everything in it yet it was still in the process of working out whatever kinks they were doing right right for sure um now one thing i want to talk about specifically is your transition to music now so we've already we've known you as an mc as a wordsmith you know the stealer of shows and what have you but now you've become a producer so you're pretty much behind the scenes kind of guiding the artists along the way kind of thing uh, making beats and what have you so what's kind of guided you along the way within that uh transition and your evolution i just think because as i was going along and doing stuff um one of the things that would happen is that i would you know, I'd go in the studio and I would always be very vocal on, you know, like, okay, I want to put this here or put the chorus here or we should build a bridge here or we should add a sound there. So I just, it was just a natural progression that after a while I was just like, hey, you know what, this is something that I can do because I'm producing my, myself so I can probably produce other people also. So I just started getting into the producing aspect of it and started um, making songs for other people. And then, um, and then uh, with this new song with Cass called "Work It," you know, where we had the music there, and we just kind of came up with the—I came up with the idea, and Cass came up with his verses, and and um, just kind of had—he had some ideas as well, and we just kind of put it together, and then the song 
just came out sounding really, really well, you know, and it uh, sounds like a really, really cool song. It's going to be a real big track. And, uh, you know, and we're working on some more uh, more music. So, uh, yeah, I just it was just a natural progression because I was already looking at how to mold my own songs. Mm-hmm. So I just decided, you know what, I can help other people that may not may be good at doing lyrics and stuff like that, but may not know how to make songs, you know. So I just try to help out and help them make the best song that they can because they're good already, but they just may not know how to structure the song into like something that you know radio would play or the clubs would play or something. It's just more they're just doing it because they're good at it, but they just I'm just going to try and help them to go and mold it into something that's a bit more structured, and that's kind of was the natural progression because I was doing it already on my own for my own music. Absolutely, and I feel like you'd be a great mentor for that because you're someone who's had like a plethora of you know club records or or chart topping singles and what have you. So definitely, I can see you be, uh, becoming that kind of Phil Jackson to somebody's Michael Jordan, basically in the, in that essence. Um, when it comes to like production nowadays, like I feel like hip hop kind of goes through its trends and its phases and what have you. And now, as a producer, do you feel as though you kind of have to follow that wave of what everyone is doing? Or do you feel confident in knowing that your audience has a similar ear to you and that they'll feel comfortable with whatever you put out there? Um, I think, you know, there's always definitely trends that are going on and you want to kind of go, you know, sort of with the flow, but you also want to go and keep things that sound like yourself as well. Like you want to be able to, you know, like still have your own sound or be able to control songs in the way that you like, you don't want to just do whatever's going on now, because then when now changes, then you're still stuck here. So you want to still have like an authentic, authentic authenticity to your sound, but you also want to be able to, you know, know what's going on and be able to go and, you know, kind of move within, move with the currents of how the ocean is going. So, you know, so, but yeah, I, I believe people will like what I've, what I've, what I put together because, you know, um, because it's not just necessarily just me. It's like it's still some new cats that are coming up and, uh, you know, that rap and do whatever things. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, like, instead of just calling it, um, you know, get the bag, get the bag, get the bag, maybe we can call it something else, but you could still be talking in some ways of those things. But that way when people stop saying the bag, then you don't just have a song that just says the bag that nobody wants to hear anymore. Exactly. So it's like trying to go and help and, um, you know, cultivate artists to go and use more, you know, just more more creativity and stuff like that. Right, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, and then what I want to know from you, you know, this kind of like like a more of a deeper question as well, not just with uh, music, but with, also with life, uh, life in general as well. Um, like of all your experiences uh, that have kind of led you to this moment uh, as far as where you are in your career right now, um, if you feel like you could – or, or if you feel like if you've accumulated any piece of wisdom over the years that you felt like have aided within your evolution as an artist, like what would you say that would be? It was always just being myself, you know, like wasn't trying to be like, you know, when everybody was either trying to be hard, it wasn't trying to be hard. It was just, it was just trying to just be yourself because somebody out there is going to relate to it. And if there's already somebody doing something that you're trying to do, they already like them already. They may not like you as much because they already like this other person doing it. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of being yourself, doing yourself, you know, and and uh, just having a good vibe around people. And when you meet them, you, you're nice with the, the people that come and meet you, because even if you're having a bad day when you're out there, they don't know that. They just know that they're meeting an artist that they like. So you also got to keep that in mind. So it's always just kind of just being in the right head of mind and knowing that people, you're the product and people and you're the product and you have to sell yourself as the product and people are going to come and if they get a a can of Coke with a with a fly in it, they're going to say, oh, this man, this Coke is gross. I don't like it anymore. Mm-hmm. So make sure you don't have any flies in your attitude when you're talking to people because it could just turn them off one time. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's always just be yourself and just recognize your fans because they're the ones that make you. Absolutely, man. I, I love that. I love that absolutely very much. Now, Shock, before you go, and I know you're a busy man, I appreciate the time that you've given to us, but before you go, uh, I know we play some games with the guests of Cool Radio, and I won't get to all of them. I'll get to one of them, but this one, I'm curious to know what your answer is going to be. It's a very fun one, a very entertaining one. Uh, this one is called I'd Quit the Game. Every second, <laughs> every minute, man, I swear that she can get it. So in this game right here, man, um, in an alternate universe, of, of course, you know, this is completely fictional. But in an alternate universe, nonetheless, you are the eligible bachelor. You know, you're wheeling, dealing, kiss, stealing, jet flying, limousine riding, all that good stuff. 
But there comes a point in time in everyone's life where they got to quit the game. So they got to settle down and have the wife and kids with the white home and the white picket fence with the apple pie cooling on the windowsill, the tire swing hanging down, the Spud McKenzie looking dog, all that good stuff. So if you had to quit the game from one of these two ladies I have handpicked, who would you quit the game for? Would you quit the game for Jennifer Lopez or would you quit the game for Alicia Keys? Oh, man. <laughs> there is no wrong answer, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Probably probably be Alicia Keys just because she could teach me how to play the piano and everything like that. There you go. See, she's my all-time, you know, woman crush Wednesday woman, basically. <laughs> so that's a that's a very, very good response for you, sir. Um, Shot Claire, where can the people find you on social media? Okay, sorry. Say that again, sir. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, where can the people find you on social media? Oh, okay. You can find me at um, Shockler Official at uh, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can find me at um, yeah Shockler Official at Instagram, Shockler at Twitter, Shockler Official at Facebook, Shockler Official at YouTube. So everything Shockler, they can find me on on that everywhere. All right. Well, Shockler, your career has been official and your time here on Cool Radio has been official as well. I want to thank you so much for calling in. And next time, I got to have you in the booth, man, so I can give you that full Cool Radio experience, my man. Absolutely. Next time, I'll definitely come in and we'll do it up proper. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks a lot for your time. All right. All right. Thanks, brother. Have a good night. All right. You too. Stay blessed, my friend. All right. Peace. Yeah. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that was the man, the myth, the legend, Shaq Claire. Uh, like you said, man, hit him up on social media. And I loved every word of what he was saying, man. Just uh, especially near the end, it's just about preaching about positivity and being a good person and just treating others with respect, especially when it comes to your fans. Because at the end of the day, those are the people that, that make you, essentially. So I really appreciate those words of wisdom. And I will carry that on, you know, going forward and what have you. But what do you guys think about his words, man? Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. Let him know as well about what you thought about what was being uh, uh, discussed and what have you. Uh, but nonetheless, we do have a commercial break to get to. And going into that commercial break, we will play his latest record and title Work It featuring Cass. Um, and after we get to that, we will dis- continue our discussion with net neutrality. And then we will get on with the wanks of the week. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. <clears throat> Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And you're now tuned into Cool Radio. If you're just tuning in, I just have my man, Shot Claire. Yes, that Shot Claire uh, called in to do a little discussion with us. If you missed it, uh, don't worry. I will post up the interview uh, this Sunday, so keep it locked for that. I definitely had an amazing conversation with him. You guys don't want to miss it. Uh, but nonetheless, so I have some time before the show, and so I want to get into the discussion of net neutrality. So I kind of briefly introduced it before I had Shaw Claire call in and what have you. Um, and basically, net neutrality, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with what the term is, net neutrality is basically um, the freedom to use the internet uh, across all platforms and for everyone to have equal and free usage of it. So... Yesterday, or I can't even remember, it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, but sometime this week, basically, uh, the uh, net neutrality was repealed. Basically, the usage of net neutrality was repealed. So basically what that means is the FCC, which is the Federal Communications Corporation, which is based out in America, they are going to uh, further discuss as to whether or not they're going to enable or continue to enable uh, net neutrality or to disable it. And if they do, then that means that corporations have the right by law to uh, impress what type of um, qualifications or certifications that they want for internet services, basically. So, for example... A corporation could come in and drive a certain amount of traffic on a particular website that they favor because they have a certain stock and they have a certain amount of shares within that particular website or whatever the message that they're promoting. A record label can promote the amount of streams that, let's say, 50 Cent is getting as opposed to, let's say, Chance the Rapper because he doesn't have that financial backing, basically. Uh, social media websites can charge let's say $10 a month for, for their for their daily usage. And maybe not so much the websites, but more so the internet package that you're using. So let's say, for example, I'm with Bell. Let's say, for example, if there was no net neutrality, 
Bell can say, hey, if you want to have this internet package, it's going to be so-and-so per month. And if you want to use social media websites, then we'll include that in the package as well. So if you want to use Facebook, that'll be an additional $10 a month. Twitter, an additional $10 a month, so on and so forth. So these websites that we go to very often, like, like Facebook, like Twitter, any type of social media in general, we use those as a vehicle to display whatever opinions we have that we want to discuss to the masses. And so to charge us a penny for our thoughts, essentially, is what would essentially happen if there was no net neutrality. And right now, America is kind of going through that limbo phase where there may or may not be any more net neutrality, which is what has people in, in a frenzy, basically. I mean, it could come to the point where if we're on Netflix, and mind you, Netflix does charge $10 a month, but hey, it's okay, they may charge $10 per movie, if net neutrality ceases to exist. So right now, this is only happening, well, right now the whole repeal thing, I should say, is only happening in America, but there are certain countries in the world right now that don't allow you to have internet access because they don't want their people to know what's happening in the outside world. They don't want to know what's being discussed about their nation and how they feel about their nation. Like North Korea, for example, is a nation that bans internet access, basically, because they don't want, you know, the opinions of Americans or whomever uh, to be influenced onto the people of North Korea, essentially. So it's almost somewhat of a fascist move to have to remove net neutrality altogether. And it doesn't surprise me that Trump wants to put this in place because all the people, all the news and media outlets that criticize Donald Trump, he tends to call them fake news. So by eradicating, or sorry, by taking away net neutrality, this would be his way of eradicating or at least muzzling fake news outlets so that they don't paint him in the negative light that he's been painting in. But really, it's by his own brush. He just gave us the uh, the option to use it to, to paint it and brush it, basically. So it's very startling because even though I'm in Canada right now and we are regulated by the CRTC, um, we are very close to America, not just in, in terms of proximity, but in terms of trade agreements. So a lot of our entertainment outlets are being uh, dependent on America because a lot of the content that we have within Canada is from America. I think at least, and this is bare minimum right here, but I think it's about at least 65% of our content, whether it be through television, media, internet, magazine, et cetera, et cetera, is all from American publishing, basically. So if they decide to follow through with uh, the banning of net neutrality, then Canada may follow suit. And that's a scary thing to think about because now, for me, as a content creator, as somebody who gives you guys an outlet to you know view certain content and opinions that you may have that are similar to mine, you're not going to get that anymore because YouTube w- would probably charge you $10 a month or $10 per episode uh, of my video to watch. And they may charge me $10 per upload, for example. And at the end of the day, the only people who are going to be winning are the high capitalistic corporations. They're going to have the money and the cachet to push all that stuff out, essentially. So that's why a lot of people are worried about it. And I wouldn't blame, and I wouldn't blame them. And one thing I was going to mention before we had shock on the air is... Um, the merger between Fox and Disney, basically. Uh, 20th Century Fox, which is the entertainment uh, side of Fox uh, Productions, has basically been sold off to Disney for $52.4 billion. Now, my guess is that they may have seen the writing on the wall as far as net neutrality or the lack thereof is, is concerned, and maybe they thought they wouldn't be able to compete with it, even though they're one of the original film giants of America. But for whatever reason, they decided, hey, you know what? We're going to cash out right now. We're going to cash out while our value is still high. And we're just going to, you know, uh, pack it up and no one, when, uh, no one to fold them. So I think that's essentially what happened with that merger. It's good from the entertainment side of things. But as far as, you know, job security, what have you, you don't know what's going to happen, right? So it's somewhat of a catch-22. You know, at least if you're a fan of, let's say, the X-Men and Fantastic Four, Marvel properties, you'll be happy to know that those properties are back with Marvel at Marvel Studios, which is owned by Disney. But on the flip side, now you almost have somewhat of a, of a monopoly happening because now not only does Disney own Fox, but they now own The Simpsons, Alien series, the Avatar series, the Predator series, Family Guy. They own so much property right now that it's insane almost right so from a from a, a monopolizing aspect it kind of takes a little bit of 
you know, the fairness out of the game, so to speak. This is kind of like when a lot of people were complaining about super teams in the NBA being formed. That only eight, maybe nine teams at most were going to have, like, the marquee players playing for their squads. And then that was going to be it. None of the other teams in the league were going to be deemed as watchable. So that's kind of like, that's kind of basically what it's like right now. And I don't blame people for being being uh, concerned about what's going to be happening with a lot of the content that's going to be distributed going forward. So my advice to my American friends, my American listeners and what have you, is to go to your local Congress people and petition against the repeal of of net neutrality. Because at the end of the day, it's something vital. Like To take away net neutrality is to infringe upon our constitutional rights, the, the right to freedom of speech. And even though that's somewhat of a fallacy, somewhat of a slippery slope, it's still within the Constitution. Therefore, it should be exercised with extreme prejudice, so to speak. So, again, I urge my fellow American people, all my American friends, family members, Americans who have listened to Cool Radio in the past and continue to do so right now, go to your local Congress people and appeal against the repeal of net neutrality. And for all my Canadians, let's pray that this day does not come because at the end of the day, there's plenty of Canadian content producers in Canada, whether they be in Toronto, Vancouver, Halifax, Yukon, wherever, because we need these platforms as far as, you know, career evolution and what have you. And so it would be a shame if we had to compete against the big guys, so to speak, in order to have that platform. And also it's another way for us to vent and to talk about real issues that sometimes the media doesn't even want us to talk about, like the bombings that happened in uh, sorry not the bombs the shootings that happened in Kenya or the uh, the Boko Haram that happened in Nigeria for example the slavery camps that are happening in Libya the flooding in Ghana for example at least with social media we have those platforms to talk about those types of things and they can go viral in an instant so that's my take on net neutrality what do you guys think about it what can be done to prevent the eradication of it let me know in the comment section below or hit me up on Twitter at dm underscore cool or cool underscore radio <clears throat> and finally, to wrap up tonight's show, we got to get to the segment that you've been waiting for for a very long time, and I will not keep you waiting any longer. So with that being said, <clears throat> who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. Now, this week's Wankster of the Week has to go to Kimberly Jones, who is the mother of a young boy who goes by the name of Keaton Jones. Now, for those of you guys who are not familiar with these people, or at least one of them, uh, Keaton Jones went viral because uh, his mother posted a video of a response that he made following his uh, bullying incident. So basically, he was crying in the video. You know, he was weeping in tears and what have you about how he got bullied. And now he doesn't, how he doesn't understand how people can succumb to bullying as far as people doing the bullying and how he doesn't understand how it makes them feel better about themselves and how they should be treating people with, with respect and kindness and fairness, which is all good and well. And then when that video uh, was put out, so many people came to this young boy's aid in terms of the entertainment industry. Uh, you had Chris Evans, the, the guy who plays Captain America, invited him to the premiere of Infinity War in May. You had T.I. who spoke, up, uh, spoke out to him and basically said, hey, man, we're here for you. Uh, but then days later, it was reported that Kimberly Jones use the opportunity to, to capitalize. There was an MMA fighter. I can't remember uh, his name, but basically uh, he got in contact with the mother and basically said, or the mother basically said, hey, can you put some money into my GoFundMe program? And he asked why, what's it for? And it's like, oh, it's because I'm a single mother. So it's like you're using your son's pain to capitalize on your monetary gain, essentially. And to use the excuse as you're a single mother, newsflash. There's plenty of single mothers I know that bust their ass day in and day out to make their child's life a better place. And I'm talking about women who have like multiple children who are single, don't have any type of male, uh, more, uh, male role model in the household whatsoever, and they're doing it on their own. And you're out here asking for a handout to capitalize off of your son's pain. Not only that, but it, she has known to be a racist as well. There are plenty of photos with her waving the Confederate flag, using the N-word, you know, uh, profusely. Um, and even that conversation that she had with the MMA fighter, he, she allegedly said, hey, uh, us whites should stick together. Key word, us whites should stick together. 
Now, that's not the kind of person that you'd want to be supported with a GoFundMe account. I'm just saying. Um, but nonetheless, these were words that were said by her. Uh, and on top of that, her baby daddy is in prison right now. And he is also a racist and a Klansman member, too. So go figure. Now, as far as the boy is concerned, here's where things kind of get interesting. The boy allegedly himself got bullied because he allegedly called the N-word or said the N-word to a, a bunch of black kids. So obviously what's going to happen, they're going to retaliate in a way that you may or may not expect. I've always said this in the past. With every action, there's a reaction. And the reaction that you get may not be the most ethical of reactions, but it will be a reaction nonetheless. And unfortunately, he had to pay the consequences the hard way. Now, I, if that is the case, then I do you know, hold him slightly accountable as well, but not all the way completely. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to racism, racism is not inherent. Racism is taught. So on that note, I blame the mother wholeheartedly. 95% now, let's say. 5% on the boy, but 95% on the mother for teaching him these racist, you know, ways, like the words, the, the mannerisms, the lifestyle and what have you, for teaching him, uh, teaching him hate, basically. So at the end of the day, you may see this boy as a fraud, some of you, and I get it. That's totally fine. But at the end of the day, this is also a teaching moment as well. It's a teaching moment to show that for the black people who came out to support him, it shows that racism can be counteracted black people you know all black celebrities didn't come out for this kid's head at the end of the day they still stood by the statements that they made in on in in order for the support of anti-bullying basically so it goes to show him this little boy this little keaton boy that at the end of the day even though he was bullied because of his transgressions black people still came out to support him and i hope that could be a lasting impression on him going forward into his more formative years, into his adult years, so on and so forth. And hopefully he can overcome that hate that his selfish mother put upon him. So as for her, she's getting the wanks of the week, no doubt. Does she deserve it? Of course she does. I'm going to drop it on her one more time just like this. Ladies and gentlemen, this was officially... The, uh, the last official episode of Cool Radio for 2017 as far as, you know, what we normally do on a weekly basis. So I thank you guys for listening year in and year out and what have you. Next week, however, will be the last final broadcast of Cool Radio in 2017 altogether because we are doing our special year-end special, <laughs> a.k.a. the Yes episode. And I'm going to have a panel of uh, of guests to discuss what were the top five albums of the year, top five singles, top five artists, and, of course, the top five wanksters of the year. So make sure you, you stay tuned for that. I will keep posting updates as the days go by within the week to give you more details about that. But for now, you can hit us up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio on Twitter. You can hit us up at cool underscore radio on SoundCloud to follow up with any past podcast that you may have missed you can hit us up on youtube facebook and instagram at cool radio cc for all other updates as well thank you guys for tuning in once again a huge major shout out to my man shot clear for chiming in um and also cool radio is a division of cool click media and entertainment reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies keep it gravy and wavy we are out of here peace